All right. Mark, would you pray for our Sunday school class? Amen. It's good to have Sylvia back in services this morning. And uh, we're going to be starting out 1 Kings 17. We're going to learn certain things from the prophet Elijah. And again, in James 5.17, where it says Elias, that is Elijah. Okay, you're... Elias is the Greek form of Elijah. Okay, so... He was a pretty normal person <laughs> until God was dealing with him. And our Bible tells us that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man, what? Faileth much. So one, one of the things you can learn with that is the need of prayer in your life. Two, believing prayer. And three, Living in such a manner, because the Bible says in Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So living before God as a believer. Okay? Because here's the difference. As a lost person, the only prayer God truly has to answer for a lost person is, I'm a sinner, save me. That's the only one he has to answer. Because he will not go against that. All who call upon him. Okay? So that's... That is a prayer that's guaranteed everyone will get an answer. Then for the believer, for God's people, you don't reward bad behavior from your children, I hope, when they're doing disobeying and they're going against you and then they ask you for things. Do you give in to them? Do you spoil them? God won't spoil you. I'm going to let you know that right now. He's a good father. He doesn't spoil us. And what we can learn from this is Elijah lived a certain way. He was used of God, called, and God used him to stand out for him. And sometimes that standing out for him can put you in pretty extreme circumstances. And sometimes it almost seems like pretty dire straits. So I'd have you turn to 1 Kings 17. There's only 24 verses in our text this morning. And we're going to read it. And Elijah the Tishbite, the Tishbite, was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, now I want to watch, watch this. Count how many times you see the phrase, the word of the Lord, as we go through this text. Because the answer is going to be in God's word. Okay? And the word of the Lord came to unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and that I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, 
which belongeth unto Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's pretty dire straits, isn't it? And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Can you imagine that scenario? Elijah says, and fear not. It's gotten so bad, she has just enough oil to mix the meal with, and then she's going to bake this little thing and make a a couple pieces of bread, and she and her son are going to eat it, and then they're going to starve to death because there's nothing else for them. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did, as according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Isn't it interesting? They were going to die many days before this. Okay, You can live about 14 days without food. On an average, seven days without water. You're in pretty rough straits when that happens, but you can. Some people can live a little bit longer, some people less, depending on health. And here with many, many days, because again, it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years, and she gets upset with him. What have I do with thee, O man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and slay my son? Would to God that you'd left us in Egypt where we could at least have our leeks and our garlic. Do you see the picture? Sometimes you get so used to God meeting your needs that when something else happens, you forget that He met your needs. And you start looking about what you think you don't have or what bad's happening, and you don't rehearse the blessing of God. You know the thing that gets us through? The blessings of God. And you know, when you don't count them on a daily basis, you won't remember them in a time of need. I'm just being honest with you. Look at this text. There's so much we can learn about human nature from this. It's like, what have you done for me lately? My father worked at, Syracuse, worked at General Electric Electronics Parkway in Syracuse, and there was a point where General Electric employed 50 thousand people in Syracuse. <laughs> Not now. 50,000 people. And my father worked his way up. You know, he doesn't have a college education, but he's a smart man. He was industrious. He went from being like a shop steward. He ended up becoming a, a, 
uh, a supervisor, and then he became above supervisor. You had guys working for him, and he helped guys get advancement. And he had a guy that he helped come in just like he did. He worked his way up. He encouraged the guy. He says, get some more education. I don't have it. The guy who's taking night classes, he's going forward. He's doing really well. And my father helped him get a, a foreman's job. And the next thing you know, he put in his name and he recommended he got a job in a different department parallel to my father's job. And the next thing you know, the guy had a job that was over my father. And he's pretty with a good middle management job, moved up there quite a ways. And then there was a bunch of layoffs and cutbacks at General Electric. And of course, my father by this time was at a little bit more advanced age. So guess what they want to do when you earn more and you're older? What do they want to do with you? They're going to cut you and keep the, the lower paid younger guy. And he went to this man and said, can you help me? And like the good Christian man that he was, basically, you know what he told him in so many words? It weren't, I can't remember the exact words. What have you done for me lately? You know what we do with God sometimes? We forget. I like to rehearse when I got saved. Amen? I like to rehearse the things that God has brought Judy and I and our family through. I've had people say, what have you done? Look, you got, you got a daughter and she has cancer. She's lost her leg. She has this disease. You've got a son with MS. You've got this or that. What did you do? It's like God's punishing my children. You don't know God very well. Okay? God looks to bless his children. He will hold back blessing when their obedience is not there. But he's not looking to beat them down. Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me a cruise. And so he, she does that. She's obeying, and then she's upset, and she's saying, what have you done to me? And she's saying, this happened, my son is sick because of my sin. Well, if you don't want to feel that way when something happens, keep your account short with God. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you don't do that, yes, the sins of the fathers will be visited under the children of the third and fourth generation. I can show you a couple of times. This is especially this Old Testament covenant, this Old Testament dispensations. This is a different time here. And he said to her, give me thy son. How many people will not give their child to God's man or to God? And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid upon him his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber unto the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth. The word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. 
Okay, turn to James chapter 5. We're coming back to chapter 17 of 1 Kings. But James chapter 5. Hebrews, James. I want you to know there are certain truths in the Word of God that cross dispensations. Pastor Kenny's going to be starting a very good series on dispensations. Probably this morning, we were talking last night, he's going to probably start with kingdoms this morning. I'm not sure. He was milling around some things and we were talking a little bit about it. But there's certain truths in God's Word that cross every dispensation. All right? Look at verse 13 of James 5. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then our memory verse, giving you illustration. For what things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Elias was a man subject to like passions. This is your memory verse. What? As we are. And he prayed how? Earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Elijah was sent to go against. You know, he's saying it's not going to rain, so he had to go tell Ahab. Guess what? It's not going to rain yet by my word. He was one man against the government. But he was one man with God. Okay? And you see here, King Ahab and his wicked heathen wife, Jezebel, that's the name. Please don't ever name a girl Jezebel. Had led the northern kingdom into idolatry. They were worshiping Baal. An abomination before God. They turned completely away from the Lord to worship the false god of Baal. The God was brought to be, thought to be the God of fertility, sunshine, dew, and rain. It's a lot of times when God brings judgment on a nation or people, it's because they're heading and they love a certain thing. So he's going to take that away from them because they need to know what? It's better to, Psalm 118 and verse 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Elijah proclaims before the king that the Lord God of Israel lives so because he lives, there will be no dew nor rain for several years. And through the drought, the Lord would prove that he alone, not Baal, was the true God. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, I don't, won't make you turn there, in verses, Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and 17, it says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from the good land which the Lord giveth you. 
Do you realize there's a lot of Muslims who are Muslims because they're afraid? Simply because they're afraid. They're not all the extreme situation. They're afraid because guess what? You can be put to death very easily over there. The Muslims have a very good court system. You go into it and you disappear. Don't believe me? Read something other than the liberal rags that we have in America today promoting Islam, what they do in those other countries. I always like it, you know, the, 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 it's sin. Homosexuality is what? It's sin. But in a Christian nation, they have a much better chance to have life than they do there because you know what the sentence for someone found guilty of homosexuality is in an Arab nation? death. There's no court time. There's no years in jail or anything like that. They shoot you, behead you, do something to you. And why people in America want us to become like that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? So they were dealing with that. you know, And so now God says to Elijah, I've got to provide for you. So he, he told Elijah where to go and what to do. Howard Bacon, one of his favorite set of verses, is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct thy paths. Hang on to that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And when what God is telling you to do doesn't make sense in the world, the world is wrong. In the short term, the circumstances may seem like the world is right. When you look at circumstances, and people make choices off their circumstances, and they turn bad so often. So often. Lean not to their own understanding in all they ways What? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. Okay? So he tells him he was called of God. Isn't it interesting? I don't know. I was looking last night. I came up with, I was looking at, and I didn't want to bring it for sake of time. I don't have the time to do that with you. I was just looking at verses on the things that believers are called to. And I could preach a series of messages on Sunday morning just from that alone. And how many times do believers read their Bible, don't look at the verses where it tells them what God's called you to? You know, sometimes, you know, do you know what one of the things God calls you to? Fellowship of his sufferings. People start having something where there's suffering in their lives and they start thinking God's turned his back on them. No, God's just strengthening you, preparing you for when I am weak, then I am strong. For his grace is sufficient for me. For his strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you ever realize he called you to that? That doesn't mean God's mad at you. You mean God's trying to help you to learn and teach you to prepare you so you can help someone else. Blessed be God, the Father of mercy, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in any tribulation, where with the comfort that we ourselves can what? Comfort others. So he stands up for God. He tells the king what for and then has to go hide 
with a widow so poor she can't even go buy a candy bar at Walmart. The only reason I say Walmart is because I'm doing Bible lessons with my grandsons. And I had fun with it. You know, and we're, we're, we're looking at Abraham. Okay, and we, we're talking about the reason that Lot set his tent towards Sodom. It's because he looked at that's where all the provisions are going to be. You know, you're, you're out in the farm, you're out in a ranch. You've got to go in town, you've got to buy your nails, you've got to buy supplies, you've got to go get your wheat, you've got to go get your other stuff. Maybe you've got to get other things and you, you sell your wares there. Well, I said, yeah, why do you go to, why do you go to Sodom? And I'm dealing with little kids. And he, I don't know, Papa. And I says, because that's where Walmart was. They had a Walmart. I bet you they didn't have a, you know, went to say the name, lost it right there. It's brain's dying. Um, the coffee company. Star, he said, they didn't have a Starbucks, did they? And I go, no, and they didn't have a Walmart, Sammy. They had an open market where everybody gathered around to sell their things. And all of a sudden, the light comes on with him. Okay, and then his mind goes into a scenario. And anybody who knows Sammy knows exactly what I mean. It went into a scenario. He was building a story. And Derek goes, Sammy, let Papa tell what's going on. Because Sammy started to tell me. But you understand this. Things that happen so many times, you don't realize it. Lot chose the world. Abram says, you go that way, I'm going to go this way. And the next thing you know, we see, you see the second time that Abram has God appear unto him and gives him an unconditional blessing. After God forced the separation that had to be there because Abram wouldn't separate himself. There's so many things going on in the Word that you don't know. And he tells him, go stay with this woman. And he's going there, and this woman's about ready to die. You know what she must have looked like? She'd gotten to that point. You know, it's not like she was full of emotions and extreme. You know, how some people, they're going to die at any moment. This is not that case. They had nothing. You know what God was also teaching Elijah, as he was called and he did that what the Lord had, that he had to depend upon who? On the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean out of thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The hideout would protect Elijah from evil Ahab. It was prepared place from God. It reminds us of how God protected David when he was hiding from Saul. Doesn't it? David, a man after God's own heart, had to hide. God put him in a place. So then God does what? He supernaturally provides food in the morning and evening by the ravens. That isn't a Walmart delivery. Right, Carla? Not a Walmart delivery. It wasn't a fast food joint. It was... Just enough. But my God shall supply all your need through his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The brook eventually dried up. That means a lot. Did that mean? Got a question. He told him, go stay there. He stayed there. He provided for him there. Now, remember, God said, Elijah, you're going to say when it rains and when it doesn't rain. I'm going to tell you when to do it. And the brook dries up. God's turned his back on him. He's going to die of thirst. No. 
It's going to rain by what? His word. Had he sinned, was he out of the will of God? Old Jewish proverb. And I'm horrible at accents. I get in trouble every time, but I can't help it. It's, when God closes the door, he opens a window. Okay? I'm not picking on Jewish people. I can't do Chinese. Every time I do I try to do an accent, it comes out like uh, uh, Sean Connery for most parts. But what I'm telling you is that it's a proverb that when God closes one door, don't run around, cut your neck, blow your head off. He's going to open another one for you. Okay? So he turns around with this. and He's going to provide for him another way. Can you see how, what Elijah must have thought when he saw this poor widow? It's okay, Lord, if you say so. You know what you find in the text? Elijah did what he was sent to do, said what he was supposed to say, and the woman obeyed. For obey, to obey is better than sacrifice. Okay? To delay is to disobey. Right, Jude? Judy gave me this thing. I can't remember what it's on. It says, you know, you, it basically says, you don't need your hound, your husband. If he tells you he's going to do it, he'll do it. It may take six months to a year, but he'll do it. So she knows my timetable. Okay? God moves around, so we've got to trust him. And it was waiting around the corner. Look at back in our text. James 17, look at verse 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. See, but my God shall supply all your need Understand this. God's word also leads God's servant into times of testing. I didn't say tempting, I said testing. Are you committed to him? Are you willing to obey? Thy word is a what? A lamp unto my feet and a, a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. They were both obedient to God's command. All God asks is that we give him what we have. Little is much when what? So you just got to make sure that he's in it. That happens by not my will, but thy will be done. Got to be in it. <laughs> How many people did Jesus feed the first time with five loaves and two fishes? 5,000 men plus women and children. That could have been upwards to between seven and 10,000. Got to remember, children were the heritage of the Lord. They wanted more than one or two. And three or four agrarian society. You've got to have your farm workers, okay? So you might have six, seven kids. Five loaves and two fishes. You know what? There's a message, Sam, get preached it. I've used it before. The law of second blessing. When you don't learn that you can rely upon God and do what he says the first time, when he has to teach you the same lesson a second time, it costs more. 
How many did he feed the second time? 4,000 with women and children. And it took seven loaves and a few fishes, which is more than two. So it took more to do less. And how much was left over the first time when he fed the 5,000? 12 baskets full. How much was left over the second time? Seven baskets full. So all the disciples, or all his apostles, his disciples all didn't get their own basket. Because their faith had to learn to lean not on thine own understanding, but all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay. You know what the hard thing is? I don't, I, I don't know any person who doesn't struggle with it at some time. And that is handing everything over to God and trust him with what you're going through. Surrender to him. Everyone has a problem sometimes with that. If you say, I never had, then you have a problem with lying. Okay, people struggle with that. Now, what do we have? Verses 17 through 24 in, in 1 Kings 17, the widow's son dies. Okay? She lost faith and she got convicted of sin. She was frustrated. She doubted the man of God. She doubted what had been told her after months of having provision. Great blessings usually follow great testings. God wanted to refine her faith. Are you ready? James 1, verses 2 and 4. Brethren, my, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's not going underwater. That's multiple or different, okay? Various temptations. When you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting what? Nothing. I hate patience. But let patience have her... When you, the old saying says there's no fool like an old fool, that's because the man never learned patience and he had to feed what he wanted. Uriah has learned, you don't realize, Elijah, or Uriah comes up to me, I'm Papa Smurf. I don't know why, I've never been in a blue suit with white tights. Okay, but I'm Papa Smurf to Uriah. Uriah okay? Now Elijah, he's learning to come to me, right? But Uriah has learned when I say no to the gummy bears, he gets a pouty look, but he's learning not now with Papa Smurf. Elijah hasn't learned that yet. And he comes, I don't know, what's the, when they want something? Like there's a sign language, and they've learned the sign language. They're spo he's supposed to say please, but he normally gives me the sign language for I want now. Okay? And when he doesn't get it, he pouts and he cries. And his dad says to him, you have to wait until Papa says Yes. <laughs> Well, when you're 18 and you still do that, grow up. When you're 30 and you still do it, I'm ashamed of you. When you're 40 and you still do it, I don't want to be around you. You understand what I'm saying to you? Let patience have her perfect work. I just don't want it. Okay? So you have to deal with that, and that's the way it is. There is a right way to 
to respond to disappointments and trials. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Okay, just back a little bit in your Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Eli is the, the prophet, the priest of God. He's struggling. Samuel has been given by his mother because she was told of God. To, she surrendered her. She kept her word. And you look at verse 15. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here am I. I love those here am I's. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. Do so, God do so to thee, and the more so if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit. That's everything. And hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. It is the Lord. What? Let him do what seemeth him good. You got to trust in God in that. Psalm 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. It's helped my family, it's helped people in this church to get over. I don't know how many years ago, and then I started seeing it other times. I hadn't got it from a book or anything else. I made the statement, I said, God is always good and God is always right. We don't always understand. But it doesn't change who he is. So we've got to trust in him. And it's helped people in this church, it's helped my daughter, it's helped my family get through some things. He's always good and he's always right. So when it doesn't appear that way in the circumstances, don't trust your circumstances. Trust in the very nature and the essence of who God is. Amen? Sometimes we're afflicted to help us. Elijah takes the boy. We read the verses. and The son got sick. He's not breathing. She immediately comes under conviction because she's got something that she hasn't totally surrendered to God. And she says, it's because of my sin. And then she's mad. So you, you gave us hope, and then you snatched it away. Because the hope of a widowed mother for her provision in her old age is who? Her whole life was caught up in that son. And said, now, you gave us hope, and now you've taken it from us. Hey, you don't know what it's like. I have three children, right? Three fingers, right? Three children. I have AJ, I have Mike, and I have Heather. AJ and Sheila says, we want mom. Jake and Heather say, we want mom. Mike and Carla said, we want mom. They drew straws for me. They did. I can remember at one point, Michael's moved back and he said he's going to be here for us, okay? That's part of the reason they're here. But Heather came to me one day and she says, Dad, you're mine. And I go, what do you mean? She says, I got the short straw. (laughs) 
it's right for the children to take care of their aged parents. Right? Elijah prayed by faith. The Lord resurrected the boy. It's the first resurrection in the Bible. First resurrection. He prayed in faith. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Baby Chloe is in a young adult today. And I've told the story in messages. You can ask the Stantons about it. Because they had a granddaughter who was not supposed to live. She was born prematurely because it was a toxic pregnancy and if they didn't take the baby, the mother was going to die. That was Ron's daughter. They took the baby. I get a phone call from Ron and Dawn. Pastor, can you come to the hospital? They're not giving any hope. His daughter and her husband have been told, let the baby die. Ron's ex-wife is not a believer. says, you just need to go. The baby can't make it. The doctor's saying there's no hope. I took oil with me. I went up and I read him the passage about Elijah and the fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I asked them, and I said, if you want me to do this, then you've got to follow through on this. Do you want me to anoint your baby and ask God to save her? Yes, we'll do anything. Well, then you've got to start planning for her to come home. She wasn't given a 1% or 2% chance of living. Nowadays, it's a little bit better. But you're talking 20 years ago, better than 20 years ago. I walked into needle and intensive care, lifted up that little oxygen tent, and they had a thing making that baby's heart beat and its lungs expand. And her head touched the tip of my finger and her feet touched the heel of my hand. She didn't weigh a pound. And I could see her heart and her lungs and her liver and stuff right through her skin. She wasn't supposed to live. And I anointed that baby, and you know I'm nothing special. And I prayed over that baby, claimed those promises, and said the parents are depending upon you. The neonatal intensive care nurse left the room so I could do it. She just smiled and said, I've got to go do something. I'll be back in a moment. I anointed that baby. We left that room. I prayed with the parents. The girl's mother said, he's a fool. You're getting false hope. They're a cult. Don't believe it. And I looked at that girl and I said, you just had me pray. You told me. And this is the way I talk. Okay. When I'm being challenged, I was right. You told me. You asked me to pray. Are you going to follow through or aren't you? And Ron and Dawn are standing there. And this woman, the ex-wife, she blows up and storms out of the hospital. Because she didn't get the response she wanted. I looked at that, that mother and father and I said what are you going to do and she says we got to start making arrangements and they had some many miracles happen for a place to stay for a breast pump for provisions for them so that she could be there and have her mother's milk come in and start doing stuff for that baby I left the hospital 
Six o'clock the next morning, I get a phone call from Ron Stanton. He goes, God's good. God's good. The doctors just come in. They said, we don't know what happened. There was no chance. The baby is starting to have her own functions and we can turn down all the help we're giving her to keep her alive. She might make it. And Ron goes, I know. This is my God. And he witnessed to the doctor. And the doctor goes, no, no, it can't be that. It must be the medicines. And he goes, you just told me yesterday there's no hope. You didn't give me 5% or anything. You said no hope. And today you tell me she's going to make it. I got to hold that baby up in front of this church when they came home from the hospital. There's a lot more to that story. But I want you to know, you don't know what God's going to do. God just tells you to pray. Amen? He'll turn things that you don't realize he's going to turn. He'll change people's hearts in ways you don't know, realize they're going to turn. You don't know what he's going to do. Elijah prayed over that baby. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Talking about a resurrection, isn't it? And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believe on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's John 6.40. John 11.25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? They're mocking biblical Christianity in the news today. All this week. They mock it continually. Elijah prayed by faith and God resurrected the boy. I've anointed other, another baby in the same family. But the mother didn't do what she was supposed to do. Asked me to pray and didn't follow through. The baby died. Ray McMillan's mother. She had cancer and eaten away so much of her lower body. They gave her no hope and went to the hospital. She's going through horrible procedures trying to, to cut away all the dead tissue. She'd gotten, I don't know if it was uterine cancer or if it was colon cancer, but it ate away the, her lower part of her body. And I went to Charlotte and I said, Honey, do you want me to anoint you? But if you do, you've got to fight for your life. And she goes, Yes. And I anointed her. And she went through some horrible things, but she told the doctors, I'm going to make it. God's given me peace about that. I'm trusting in him. She wasn't supposed to live two months. She lived 15 years. She was one of the main stars in a Christmas play. Watched some of her grandchildren come to the Lord because she was in it. Because they came out to it. But she did what she told God she would do. This morning, I want you to understand, are you doing what you told God you would do? Are you? That's the lesson of Elijah. He, the Lord used Elijah to be a witness of the, to the fact that God is the author of life. 
Elijah showed that he was truly a man of God and that God's word is truth. There are five times in 1 Kings 17 that it says the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. That should have been enough power that God is Lord and not Baal. He sustained life. He raised it up. In Exodus, Moses and Aaron did miracles that Pharaoh's magicians couldn't do. Okay. And that's because God is the author of all life. By him we move and breathe, right? Have our being. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the... No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Turn to 1 Timothy 2 and we'll close. You've got to turn to Jesus if you want life. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. For there is what? One God and one between God and man. Amen. The man Christ Jesus. Turn to him today. When he calls to you, obey his word. Even when it doesn't make sense to you. Just make sure that it's his word that you're obeying. And all God's people said, take a break.